Welcome to Main Street Politics. Our guest today is Raquel Margreen, the state representative and, and a fellow appointee to the mm -hmm. legislature who has just won her first election to come back. Yes, that is correct. Wonderful to have you in the caucus. Um, we've had quite the adventures since you've been here. Uh, you came in the midst of, you know, very uh, tumultuous times as mm -hmm. we started off your, your first uh, big session with debates over cap and trade and, mm -hmm. uh, and difficult political decisions. And then we transitioned right into COVID yep. where you served on the COVID committee early on in the pandemic to talk about what uh, legislative concepts might want to move forward for special sessions. And, uh, and now you're back having won an election, ready to tackle the 2021 annual session. It's good to have you here with us today. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about your relationship with Jackie Winters. Because I, as I've oh. gotten to know you, I, I think about your experience in the building and how you were introduced to, to this world. And I want to hear about that. And then we'll transition into talking about your experience now as a state rep. But first, if you could talk about Senator Winters and, and your experience working in her office. Sure. So um, I first met Senator Winters probably back in the early 2000s, you know, so a good 20 years ago when she um, stepped up to run for office here locally. That was, you know, the first time. And then through the course of living here and living locally in the same community as she, um, you know, you get to know people over a period of time. And uh, I had interfaced with her professionally for about the last 10 years. And then in 2018, I was asked to manage her reelection campaign. And I um, was a little, uh, I, I mean, definitely honored and a little taken back that um, uh, somebody of, of her stature and her had a community that just supported her so well that she really even needed a campaign manager. But um, I said yes and stepped up to the task. And uh, it, it was a fascinating time being able to sit and listen to you know the history she has. I mean, talk she she would talk about land use and when the the discussions with um, then Governor Vicatia, you know, around land use and how how we're going to do that and how. Um, Salem was different in so many aspects because some of the, the things, the decisions that Salem as a city decided to do early on. And um, of course, as with all campaigns, they come to an end and you think that your work is, is done. And, uh, you know, November came and went, she won, and I was off to, to other uh, professional obligations. And I received a phone call from her chief of staff asking if I would uh, come back and serve in her office. And I have a, I had a small con consulting uh, business, business consulting. And, you know, here again, how do you say no to, to Jackie Winters? And um, we negotiated a little bit to make sure that I would be able to provide the services that she wanted at the level she wanted and still be able to handle the balance of the clients that I had. And so I ended up um, focusing on constituent work. And uh, so, it, which is, is, for those of us who have been in the world for a while, that's a lot of phone calls and a lot of emails. And so sometimes you don't have to be physically present in, in the building in order to get the work done. So that gave me some great flexibility there. And we had our team meetings once a week on Thursdays at uh, one, one o'clock. And, um, you know, she'd give us direction. She'd give us wisdom. Uh, it was um, a unique time, to say the least, to say the least. So I only had a very brief 
time to get to know Senator Winters before she passed, but almost all of our interaction was at prayer breakfasts or at events that were not political. And so I really felt like I got to see a little window into who she was just as a person and, mm -hmm. and not what she might be trying to accomplish for her community. And uh, I can only imagine what a rewarding experience that was for you to, to get to share that time with her. Yeah, it, it was. And, you know, you comment about, you know, how people are in the community. Uh, one of my very favorite memories is from about, I guess now it's been five or six years, we happened to be at a Christmas party together. Uh, I, I was standing at, at a kitchen counter and uh, she comes over and she sits down and, you know, we had 45 minutes, an hour of just, you know, talking about kids and family and and all of those things that, you know, those are the things that we are, you know, um, definitely tied to what we do. Um, but um, to getting to know her on that level, um, you know, that was pretty sweet. That was very sweet. So was that inspiration at all for you running for office? Or did you kind of always know you wanted to do this? Were you Oh, no, 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 yeah. no, no, no. No, this was really a... Uh, you know, for, for me, uh, as a woman of faith, it was a God thing. Um, I hadn't really planned on, on running for office. Um, over the course of the years and, and the, uh, some of the grassroots work I did early on being here in Salem around schools and uh, re trying to reduce class size, that was probably my first foray into um, advocacy um, was we just wanted to reduce class size. It was the, the um, mid nineties and class sizes had just ballooned. And um, there were a group of parents that came together. And at that point, you know, there was opportunity to run for school board, but the timing wasn't right for my family. And so over the course of the years, you know, oh yeah, you know, people say, oh, you'd be so good, you know, and people tell you what they want. Right, they don't. Uh, you know, they're they're the they, they see a need and they see uh, a way to get that need filled, and you just might be that um, that peg that fits into that space, right? And um, always very flattered, you know, that people would think that that I had the characteristics that would make a a worthy uh, public servant. But you know, for whatever reason, things didn't align until June of uh, 2019, and things just really did line up. Um, I was approached and I said, well, you know, I, I don't think so, but I'll go home and I'll ask my husband because he had always been, no, no, yeah. my kids have been, no, no. And um, came home, it was a Friday afternoon, weather was good, it was June. So we were out back and floated the idea by him. And he said, well, why not? And so at that point, um, you know, it was, okay, well, let's explore this. And the doors just continued to open. And then of course, so I spent 18 months in the appointed position. Um, I came in in July, finished up 19 and then all of uh, 20 as, as the appointee and did run for the office and was um, elected in November. So I, I, I consider myself a returning member. That's right, that's right. So my conversations with back, uh, Senator Winters, with Jackie, uh, really were tied to faith, family, and forgiveness. Yeah. I'm curious if, if your experience, with, you know, what other characteristics or what other values really came through from your time serving uh, in her office? 
family, you know, the, the importance of family and loving them regardless of the hiccups. You know, I, it's easy, it's easy to love the lovable. It's not so easy to love the unlovable. And um, I think that was something that she displayed beautifully, you know, and certainly a great grandmother will have had that perspective. You know, you've, you've um, lived long enough at that point and, and had enough interaction. And with her having four, four children, you know, she has a substantial number of grandchildren and then great grandchildren. So um, I think that was um, one thing too. And I think that, you know, that coincides, I guess, with, with forgiveness and reconciliation and second chances and, you know, the ability for people to change, to, to have transformational moments in their life. You know, the light bulb goes on or that aha creeps in. Uh, you know, we need to embrace that. And then for the ones who don't have the ahas or um, we, we need to continue to love. Yeah. So we, I alluded to it a little bit earlier that since you've been in office, it, it's, we've been living in interesting times. <laughs> yes. And, and this last year, of course, has been, you know, right along that same trend line with COVID-19. And then you know, your district and your neighbors uh, in the surrounding area impacted by the fire. And now, again, just recently, uh, with this ice storm. Yes. How, how do you, well, at least for me, I, I, I follow I follow you on social media. And of course, you know, we're friends within the caucus and, and we get to interact quite a bit. And so I see your engagement in the community. And, and even, uh, I think at the beginning of the conversation, you mentioned that yesterday you were out uh, visiting the local business and, and touring their uh, operations. And how do you prioritize the time in the building versus the time, especially with your experience doing constituent services? And I recognize now you have staff to do uh, some of that work with you, but then engaging the community. Because I really am impressed with the amount of time that you spend out of the building, in the community, really interacting with people you know, boots on the ground, figuring out where people are at and meeting them where they are. I, I, I'm just curious what your approach is and, and if you can share a little bit about that with us. Well, if I get an invitation, I accept it. I've always said that the people on the ground are the ones who, um, so let me back up for a second. So as a state legislator, you know, our, our big task is to balance the budget and make sure that the money then flows out you know, to our communities, right? At the end of the day, it's um, Marion County Public Health that is carrying out our COVID response locally and that they're doing that with state dollars. Well, if I don't know what boots on the ground are experiencing either around the amount of resources that have been given or the, the regulations around the use of the money, if I don't understand that, then I can't advocate for them. I can't make the best informed decisions. And so I think that community engagement is, is imperative. Um, it's, the, it's the work that takes place on the ground. And sometimes there's a big disconnect uh, along that pipeline. Over the years, I think my mentors and you know, Senator, Senator Winters being one of them was always engaged in the community. You know, you, you attended chamber, you went to SEDCOR, you, you knew what your nonprofits were doing. 
Um, you went to city council meetings, you, you hosted uh, town halls and telephone town halls, all of those things to stay connected. Because as you know, we can get in that building and things can be very myopic and, and we become tone deaf, right? It, it becomes um, what I'm hearing from my colleagues, which is important, uh, you know, what maybe I'm hearing from a special interest group. But is that really how it's playing out in my community? And I think it's really important um, in our committee meetings that we have representation of um, testimony from throughout. That it's just not one public health authority, um, one community that comes and testifies to us in healthcare over and over and over again. We need to make sure that we're including uh, health authorities from other parts of, of our uh, um, community. The other day in the COVID-19 subcommittee, um, we had a superintendent from an ESD, an educational service district. I think it's Intermountain and up on your part of, of um, Oregon. And it was fascinating to hear from him how schools essentially in a good part of his district, service district, haven't closed. They never, they never did. They were able to proceed uh, with precautions, obviously. And, and no uh, no spread, uh, all of those things. So so it's nice to know that how things work in other parts of the of, uh, the state. But you know, back down to you know what is happening on the ground. So for me, staying it's my lifeline. I just want to pay you this compliment again, <laughs> knowing you, communicating with you, watching uh, what you're doing in the community. Uh, it, it really is impressive, the energy and effort that you put to uh, that engagement. And then secondly, the measured approach you have in the building. And I think all of us want to try and seek the truth. And, and I just appreciate the patience that you have with your approach to gathering information, analyzing information, uh, seeking additional information before coming to a conclusion. I mean, you're, you're uh, very pragmatic in, in your approach to problem solving and uh, I find it refreshing and <laughs> inspiring at the same time. Um, so thank you for that. I hope you'll accept my compliment. Thank you, thank you. Yes, I do. I know for I've, humble I've people to sometimes that. it's tough. <laughs> well, you know, and, and it's, it's an interesting thing. You know, um, uh, I was told many, many, many years ago somebody made a, a compliment to me and I kind of deflected and I said, oh, you know, and he, he said to me, would you just please accept what I'm saying to you? Okay. So thank you. Thank you, Daniel. I do accept that. I don't know if you know this, you are the first state representative of direct Puerto Rican descent. Yes, that is true. My mother was Puerto Rican. I mean, these are wonderful facts that you have to dig to find. <laughs> Well, so my full name is Raquel Consuelo Moore Green. So the Consuelo is a real giveaway. Raquel, it has become, um, it, it's, it's a, probably a more familiar Spanish name, right? But Consuelo, that's kind of a, a, a dead giveaway. Yeah, my mom was born and raised in uh, Puerto Rico and uh, she went to um, New York for college and then ended up on the West Coast and met my dad who was just getting out of the Navy. And uh, that's the story there. <laughs> born and raised in Oregon? No, 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 not me. No, I, I was born and raised in Southern California. Southern California. My dad, my dad had been in the Navy and he was stationed in Long Beach. 
and Long Beach, California, for those of, because uh, there is a Long Beach. Uh, Washington. Is it Washington? Thank you. Okay. And um, my mother's parents, my mother was in New York going to college and her parents were still living in Puerto Rico. And my grandfather had an opportunity, uh, a job opportunity in Southern California. So he and my grandmother moved to Southern California. And my mother, uh, they, you know, being a uh, Latin, they you know, like to keep the family together. And they thought, well, you'll just transfer, right? You'll just come from New York and, and you can finish school, college in, in Southern California. And um, she did. And in the course of that, met my dad. And um, he got out of the Navy and they got hitched. And uh, she was a chemist. She was a chemist for seven years before she had kids. And then she had children and raised four of us. And then um, went back to college to um, because she had been out of college for so long she needed to get uh, a, um, some sort of certificate some sort of certificate and then she got her teaching credentials and she taught English as a second language and she taught uh, AP Spanish for many years for many years yeah so she had three careers in my mind so how'd you find Oregon oh that's a whole other story so um, my husband and I had been married for a couple of years and we were living in Southern California. I had one child from a previous marriage and I knew that I could work and raise um, a child that I could do that balance. I had balanced it for quite a few years, um, but that if I wanted more children that I really felt I needed to be home to take care of those kids. I didn't. I, you know, there's, there's always that uh, bit of, uh, have I shortchanged my child by some of the decisions that I've made as an adult and um, didn't want to shortchange anybody any further. And I'm, I'm certain my son would tell me I didn't shortchange him, but you know, there's always that conscience, that little uh, in the back of your head, you know, and uh, he was with Price Waterhouse at the time. And uh um, he said, hey, let's go to Washington. You know, things are less expensive there. So we went and took a look around. It was a beautiful weekend in February. It was probably, you know, 36 years, 37 years ago that, that we did that. And um, he took a transfer with uh, Pricewaterhouse. And so he went to their Seattle office. And we lived in Redmond, Washington, which was on the east side of um, Lake Sammamish. So you've got the Sound, Seattle, Lake Washington, and then Bellevue and Redmond. So we were there for 10 years. And then um, there were people looking for uh, somebody of his, uh, with his talent and skills in, in Salem, a family-owned business here in Salem. And uh, we ended up here 26 years ago. Haven't left. Love it. So you've got an eclectic background too. You've been a small business owner. Mm -hmm. uh, you've obviously done work in the legislature. And mm -hmm. what else, what else, tell us what else you've done in your career. You know, it's really interesting. As I was walking through Oregon Fruit yesterday, um, I worked for a FAA repair station and they repaired blades and veins that came out of turbine engines, right? Pratt Whitney, Rolls-Royce, GE. And it, we had a production line, we had quality control. I was in the marketing department. And um, as I was walking out on the floor, I was thinking about it. The name of the company is Chromizing, and they're part of Chromaloy America, and still uh, a huge um, company. 
and you know, kind of a flashback to to working um, in a manufacturing realm and um, the beautiful balance of um, you know you've got the the professional what some people would call the you know blue collar profession um, and you've got the white collar profession you know coming together. Uh, to, to make things right and uh, providing living wage jobs and benefits and um, good products for your community, you know, so that that was uh, of interest to me. Uh, United Way, I did, a, um, uh, when, I, when we lived in Seattle, I worked part time before we had more children and I worked on the, for the Boeing company it was a special position that all I, the work I did was in support of the United Way efforts um, there of their, um, of their corporation. So that was my entrance into the nonprofit world. And um, once we moved to Salem, you know, I was looking for part-time work and um, United Way was there waiting. And I, uh, oh, I worked part-time and uh, was a campaign manager and managed um, for six, six cycles. And that's another interesting aspect of Senator Winters. She was the first woman to chair, well, maybe not the first woman to chair, but she was the first chair of the United Way of the Mid-Willamette Valley to exceed a million dollars in donations for one campaign season. So yeah, we had a few things in common. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And you mentioned in Cromaloy, it takes me back to my Evergreen Airline days. And yes. Anytime we get to talk about like JT9 engines and... and <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> oh, it's fun. Um, so I want to go back to the building. Uh, and I, I am curious about this. You know, I bragged about my staff for quite some time. Uh, I, I think I've got a, a wonderful team uh, that helps me do my work and, and has really had the experience inside the building to help me get up and running. And, and I, I credit them with, with the success that our office has had. Being a former staff member, did that change your approach or do you think that had an impact on your approach? How did you, how did you proceed forward? And, you know, I've gotten to know Pam, of course, and you have such a wonderful staff, but I'm, I'm curious about having been a staffer, if that had any impact on, on your hiring considerations. Uh, yes, it, it certainly did. I um, had spent enough time in the building understanding um, what, what the job of, of staff really entails having been one um, because I served for four years with then representative Kevin Cameron also. So from 2010 to 14, I had the honor and privilege of serving him uh, as staff. So a little bit more on that, that story of that June day, Pam McLean, who was um, the daughter-in-law of Senator Winters. Of course, I'd gotten to know her because she was chief of staff for Senator Winter. She was actually the one who hired me and, and oversaw the work that I did. And when this whole concept of me putting my name in and the conversation that took place, part of that conversation was she said to me, well, if you do it, I'll be your staff. And I said, no way. <laughs> you know, you, you've, you've worked for, you know, one of the most prominent political figures in the state of Oregon, if not the United States, and you come to work for a freshman in the house of all places. You know, you leave, you leave that beautiful Senate where everything's twice the size as the house is, right? It sounds like <laughs> a promotion to me to move to the house. Why are you? A freshman, with a freshman, oh my gosh. 
like quite and yeah so uh the other part of that conversation was i went home that weekend and i asked my husband and she went home that weekend and she asked her husband and like i say i think both of us were expecting no's and we both got yeses and so she walked through that process with me and so i i really did have a huge benefit of having somebody who had been inside the building for over 10 years who had a history of legislation and um, a, a truly deep understanding of not only the legislation, but the personalities, which was very helpful. I, I almost felt like I, I came with the community that I had the understanding of uh, uh, my community for the long time that I had been engaged and then by virtue of having uh, worked for Representative Cameron and for Senator Winters in the district that I live in, in the districts that they represented, that it, it, it was a, a pretty nice uh, merging of, of energy, you know, and so it's, it's just been tremendous having her on staff. And um, then about a year ago, we hired Lena and Lena is a woman that I've known for many, many years. And as a matter of fact, I met her when I was working for United Way and she was working for General Growth, who um, was managing the Salem Center at the time. She was their communications and marketing director at the time. And here again, she lives in the community. She lives in district, um, has been here for years and years and years also. So she comes with that love of community and service background. And I'm, I'm of the mindset that if people have a skill set, you can teach them, you, you can train them on anything, right? If, if they have uh, good customer service, um, they are, are humble, are, are wanting to serve, um, you know, you, you, there are some basic skills there and, and characteristics that just, um, if you're willing to take the time and teach them, you know, the, the nuances of the job, you know, what does an LC mean? Uh, what, what is a bill? And what, what does it mean to have a first reading? And, and all of those things, you know, you can and so having no better teacher than Pam and a, a terrific uh, new person on, on point, uh, it's, it's, been, it's been very good. Three of us have worked uh, very hard and um, hopefully uh, we, we share with, with everybody else too. I always give up my staff saying, now go ask, go ask if there are questions, so. So you currently serve on the conduct committee, the healthcare subcommittee on COVID-19, the healthcare committee, energy and environment, and you're the vice chair of behavioral health. So just a light workload. <laughs> but your focus really in the building has been on the healthcare side of things. It has. And that's been extremely important to your community. And, and you've been an effective voice for positive change in the healthcare world. And uh I guess I have two questions that I want to I want to get in here. Uh, what challenges are we facing right now as a state uh, surrounding healthcare? And then I, I want to hear what your success has been, your individual success as a state rep in in this realm. So I think the challenges with healthcare at the moment, and this is kind of down in the weeds, but. Um, our hospital system throughout the state has been incredibly taxed. I mean, we all have, and, and I, I want to acknowledge that, that there isn't a single individual in this state or nation that hasn't um, been stressed and stretched um, through this COVID pandemic. And our hospitals from the get-go 
day in and day out, you know, gearing up for the potential surge of patients, of our um, doctors, you know, closing their doors so that we can put all resources towards the hospitals, you know. And just like everybody else, they, they've not come back up fully, right? The, the smaller clinics. And um, when the hospitals took the stance of, of not doing any elective surgeries during those first uh, six to nine weeks of the shutdown, just really put them behind um, financially. And so we have a very stressed system that we continue to stress um, with this vaccination uh, rollout. And so this morning, right before we got together, I had a community update from Salem Health where um, their CEO, Cheryl Wolf-Nestor, um, gave us a, a rundown on you know, the number of vaccines, what their bed count is, all of those things that are going on. And at the same time, they're dealing with the influx of patients this weekend because they didn't have power and they, they were on medical devices that they needed the power in order to, to continue to, you know, to breathe in some instances. And so she said the bed count was extremely high this, this weekend. And um, she, she called it, um, they, they housed people, you know, they, uh, they allowed them to be there. But here again, you've got a pandemic going on where people are masked up and you've got people who have no electricity needing warmth and electricity in order, in some cases, you know, to, to breathe. And, you know, you're handling COVID patients, active COVID patients um, on another ward. And um, I think the hospitals have been very, very stressed. And along with that comes the stress on the workforce. So, so I think from the healthcare committee, from my vantage point, anything that we as a legislature can do to um, continue to give them the resources they need to carry out this work during our public health crisis is, is very, very important. There's uh, one bill up at the moment, it's uh, around mergers and acquisitions, uh, perhaps uh, well-intentioned. I don't think the timing on it is right. I think we should be uh, focused on, on, on pieces of legislation that will move us um, towards a better outcome at the end of this pandemic than perhaps that particular piece of legislation would. You know. So at the end of 2021, what will you look back at this session and consider to be success? Did I serve my constituents well? That if the phone call came and they needed help with unemployment, that we, we address that or any other issue that, that uh, might come forward. I have a gentleman who uh, has been trying to get uh, a fence on an ODOT fence that you know abuts his property uh, repaired for 10 years now. So I'm hoping that maybe we can get that resolved this year. That, that, that might be success, Daniel. Um, legislatively, uh, that, that's a tough one. I do have one bill that um, I, I would really like to see passed. I think it would be good for our community. And it's uh, what we're calling the OCE Beautification Act. And it's a, a pilot program. Our adults in custody, our AI, uh, AICs, um, in our correctional facilities, specific, and it's it would be run through the Oregon. Oh, why do I always forget it? The Oregon Correction um, Enterprise, and um, these are this is the organization that runs uh, work programs within our corrections department, 
that provides opportunities for those who choose to uh, learn a skill. And um, this would actually be around um, derelict motorhomes and boats and taking them apart and recycling them. There's an art to that, there's a need for that. And so it's a, it would be a pilot program here in Marion County. And I'm hoping that uh, that that would, you know, if I had to hang my hat on something and I hate to, to do that because you just don't know what success is going to look like. I think I'm old enough to know that, you know, we start out with uh, a particular intention with something and uh, five years later, uh, we've accomplished things. It's not necessarily what we uh, uh, set out to accomplish, but in the, in the course of it, something good has transpired. I'm going to put you on the spot now with a little bit of a speed round. Oh dear. I'm not good at speed. <laughs> hey, we, we've got faith in you. We believe in you, Rep. Moore Green. <laughs> These are going to be tough ones though. Okay. Tough okay. but fair. That's how we do it here on Main Street Politics. Okay. Gardening or sewing? Time of year. Come on, gardening or sewing? <laughs> time of year, Dan. <laughs> Representative, it's time of year. In the winter, I sew. In the summer, I'm on the garden, okay? <laughs> it, it makes it impossible to move forward. I, I was trying to narrow it down. <laughs> Do you see what I mean about success? It looks different ways at different times of the year. The wheels have fallen off the speed round. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Sewing versus reading. Oh, sewing. Sewing versus spending time with the grandkids. Kids. <laughs> that, that should have come faster, Grandma. <laughs> grandkids. Well, I, you know what? They tell me what they want. <laughs> Grandma, I want a dress. Grandma, I need this. Grandma, I need that. And, and I do sew for them so that, you know, it's... <laughs> So then sewing is in the, in love and passion of the grandkids. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Favorite flower. Oh, you know, I I mm, I love roses, but gardenias come in as a real second in there. Favorite Bible passage. Oh. <laughs> um, remember out of Deuteronomy. Remember where you came from. Favorite restaurant in Salem? Oh, <laughs> um, Da Vinci's. It's on High Street, high and, and ferry, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, as you know, probably the first restaurant my husband brought me to when we moved to Salem, and it is still by far my favorite place to eat. Favorite moment as a legislator? Oh, getting to know you, Representative. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God bless you. Ending with a bit of humor. Uh, uh, well, uh, no, my colleagues, I mean, my colleagues, have, it's, it's a, you know, wonderful group of people, wonderful group of people. That's. Um, it really is. And I, I try to showcase that in these conversations. And, and of course, we try and do a good job of reaching out and engaging uh, members of both parties, uh, mm -hmm. we've had senators, we've had representatives, we've had past representatives. Uh, we've had the Secretary of State, we have the Chief Clerk, we've been trying to kind of give people a little window into the building. And I think my hope is that what you just said comes through is that there is camaraderie. There are uh, solid relationships that are being formed. And uh, we do take very seriously the work that we do. But uh, yes, yes. So um, 
Tell, tell the people, uh, I'm sorry. So um, for the folks that are only going to listen to this, uh, we're doing this by a, a podcast, Zoom, and, and the representative's holding up a new book. Please tell the folks what book you're holding up. Yes. Okay. So you talked about sewing or reading. Well, this past Saturday when we had no electricity, no sewing was going to take place. However, I read a book. And the name of this book is Count Your Blessings and Your Votes. It's an Oregon political experience by the Honorable Gary Wilhelms. And I had the honor of serving with him in Representative Kevin Cameron's office. Um, if you read the book, you, you'll get to that little section in there. But and I think this actually needs to be a primer for all new legislators. I, I would like to make that recommendation to my caucus leader, okay? <laughs> um, but it, uh, um, it, it gives you insight into the building with, with enough detail that you have a sense of what's going on. Um, and it's from his perspective. And the wonderful thing about it is at the end of every chapter, he recounts what his blessings are and he recounts the votes. And even once he was out of the legislature, um, the votes were, you know, the, the accomplishments that had, had been made. And uh, it's a quick read, and um, I would highly recommend it. Count Your Blessings in Your Votes by Gary Wilhelm, available in the Capitol gift shop. Uh, Absolutely. Someday, someday the gift shop will be open to the <laughs> public again, and, and you can find Gary. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I believe that uh, I have a copy waiting for me in my office. My wonderful staff uh, purchased one for me, and I am eagerly looking forward to, to reading the book. Um, thank you so much, Raquel Moore Green, for being our guest today. It's a pleasure to visit with you today. I am, again, so blessed by your friendship and, and your constituents are blessed by your service. So thank you for the work that you do. And thank you for joining us here today on Main Street Politics. Thank you very much, Representative. It's been a delight to visit with you and uh, an honor to serve alongside you. And thank you, the listeners, for coming back by again. Main Street Politics, remember, if you need to get a hold of us here in the office, 503-986-1459, or our district office is 541-719-8745.